This is the almost world-famous Original Music Jam Podcast. All right, here we go. Season 1, Episode 2. Hey, so what do we have here? What is this, Jim? A new toy? You like it? I sort of built it. What do you mean, you sort of? What the heck is it? It looks like a miniature upright piano. Yeah, it looks like an upright piano, but I built this out of an old fence that fell down. And I guess the upside to that is if it rains, my keyboards are still good. <laughs> Inside, I put a roll-and-go piano. It weighs about a whole eight pounds. Ooh. Picked it up at my favorite place to buy things, Sweetwater Sound. A normal upright piano is about four and a half feet wide and five feet tall. This is way more portable and actually folds up in half. Wow, so what's the inspiration for this? What the heck do you need it for? Well, it all started with some Zoom calls to a video editor producer friend of mine who's got a Wurlitzer electric piano sitting right next to him in his office, and I kind of got to thinking, I'd love to have my old Whirly back. And oh, it was, she said. Yeah, <laughs> it was really bad shape when I sold it, though, not playable. So I started creeping around on the internet searching for one, and it turns out a Whirly that works in good condition is quite expensive, and I started remembering how much maintenance they require. And the next Next thing you know, I'm getting inundated with ads for keyboards with Whirly and other electronic sounds. I saw a demo for this thing and I picked one up and I gotta admit, I really, really like this thing. The keys aren't very deep, but it is really expressive. And once you get used to the action, it's hard to stop playing this dang thing. And old pianos used to have ivory keys, and this thing's got, like, simulated ivory. Oh, and so you had to build the rest of this around it? <laughs> Let me guess. Did you tape over the logos like you usually do? Yeah, I did. I just don't like playing in front of a crowd with advertisements all over my keyboards. And I don't like playing on X stands or modern stands that many keyboard players use. You can push them over and you can bang an ankle when you're looking for a pedal. And the pedals tend to move around all over the place. And I used to get so jealous of guitar players. A lot of guitar players do such cool things with their guitars. So I decided to start redesigning my keyboards. I tried removing the encasements, you know, the plastic surrounding the keys, and then rebuilding them out of wood, putting my own designs on them. But uh, that didn't work out so well. I ended up building <laughs> stands that look like a real piano that hide the whole keyboard thingy. They're strong and stable and... You know, I spend my life sitting behind real pianos and organs that feel real big and powerful. Then I get in front of a crowd, and I feel like I'm playing a toy, and it looks like a toy. Oh, the horror of it all. You have such a tortured life, Jim. Yeah, I know, right? But check this thing out. Here's the piano sound. And if I need a big, old-sounding piano, I just drop things down an octave with the push of a button, and... Oh, that sounds great. We're going to have to use that on Keep On Drinking. Yeah, right. We have to do that on a podcast soon. Maybe we can do a silly song podcast. But this patch will sound great for that or other songs just that need that sound. Then there's this old Fender Road sound, the kind that Steely Dan made popular. Okay, they used to hot rod out roads by treating the hammer so that you could get this bark like this. I remember my hands would be so sore after playing a Rhodes all night and trying to make it bark. I used to date a girl that used to like to bark. <laughs> That's probably for a different podcast. Never mind. Yeah. No, yeah. so this piano has a whirly sound that I was looking for. Close, but a tad too much tremolo for my taste. Maybe it's just too wide of a stereo field, and maybe I can tame that. But old whirlies had a cool bark, too. So you might say when you found this, you were really barking up the right tree. <laughs> Yeah, so now that I think about it, the action on this keyboard is nothing like a real piano, but closer to an old, early model Wurlitzer electric piano. It costs very little and looks really cool inside my upright piano stand. 
not as hefty as something you might get in the higher priced keyboards. But it just has all the meat and potato sounds that I love to just have at my fingertips on and playing in a band. You're making me hungry, Jim. I know. And I must play this thing like two to three hours a day now. I just can't stop. I watch the news, any TV or movies. I just sit at a desk in my bedroom with my headphones halfway on and play along with the soundtrack on the TV. The keys don't clatter that much at all, so I don't bother my wife and kids. Yeah, much. Yeah, not too much. I mean, there are more egregious issues in my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, play the music. Hey, Martin, we will. We'll get to playing. No, play the music. That's the next song up. I think he said you wanted to use the Elvis mic on Kerry. Should I get it out? I, oh, and then he says he wants to get started. Yeah, use the Elvis mic on Kerry. And backstory. We have to have backstory of the songs we do here. So, what's the backstory? Hey, don't look at me. I didn't write this one. So what's the backstory? Well, as a kid, I used to love Creedence Clearwater Revival. You know, CCR with John Fogarty. So this is sort of a mishmash of Down on the Corner and Fortunate Son. I always wanted to write a song as fun as Down on the Corner. So I wrote the song, played the music, and recorded it a couple times, but I never felt it sounded as good as it should. Then Lenny came over one day and started playing and put an old-timey hillbilly feel to it, and bingo, for me at least, the song was finally fun to play and do. So let's do it and have some fun. Wait, but wait, so what's the story with the Elvis mic? I mean, did Elvis own the mic or something? Uh, no, people call it that because it looks like the mic Elvis used, the classic-looking grill and all. It's a replica of the old 50s mic. I did buy it about 30 years ago from Sweetwater, and it works really well. It's great because it only picks up what's right in front of the mic, so if you're recording in a basement with kids running around above you and furnaces and other noises, it's great. Looks really cool on stage, too. We'll have to get our old friend Scott, Scott Ramsayer, who works for Sure Microphones, to fill us in on all this stuff. We've got to get him on the podcast. Yeah, let's do. Well, sounds like Lenny started. Nope, I better get the other mic. Sure, hurry up. One, two, three, four. Felt the daybreak and sun touched my soul. Yep. Felt the freedom with nowhere to go. Play the music, let it cleanse my soul. Every day it's the same old story. Work for the man, but don't share the Oh, so... 
that's that Martin that Lenny was talking about. Yeah, in the other episode. Yeah, sounds good. And there goes Will. Nice, Will. Look me in the eye and tell me the truth. Is it the lyric or is it the Percussion and drum thingy stuff is retired band director Bill Riddle. Hey, Bill, what's up? <clears throat> it wasn't a cough. That was just, a, just a <laughs> clearing my throat. <laughs> yeah, my name is Bill Riddle. Just recently retired last spring, and now I'm working at a Catholic school part time as a performing arts consultant a couple days a week. Uh, oh, and trying to be a rock star. Trying to be a rock star as well. So <laughs> that's cool. what I'm doing now. All right. My next question is to have uh, people describe this, their instrument, their setup. But I set this up for you. So. You did. <laughs> yes. But we did consult on it. Yes. So we have uh, a cajon. Is that yeah? It's a cajon. And I put a snare drum on top of it because it didn't like the way this, the cajon was sounding as a snare. My experience with a snare on a cajon is that it doesn't sound like a snare. In general. Really? Yeah. All right. Well, not as, not as no, much as a snare drum does. Okay. Good. <laughs> so you did a good job, Jim. <laughs> so I put a, a brick underneath, too, and just to get it up to height for you. And that brick, I didn't, this was not planned at all, but the brick has hollow uh, cylinders underneath or mm-hmm. hollow uh, sections in it. And it and it made it sound deeper to me when I, it made it sound better. And I don't know if you noticed it, but I. Well, I didn't try it without accident. the brick, but I thought it was a good sound. Yeah. yeah it was a pure accident that got it like that. Yeah. So, and that, then you've got a hi hat, which is a mm-hmm. Sabian. The uh, symbols are Sabian symbols. Um, it's actually a pearl hi hat. Um, and then, uh, and I don't know if we want to tell what the brand of that other symbol is. <laughs> well, I did buy a cheap drum set, and I picked it up, and I thought, oh, I'll have it around. And I thought, initially, I thought I bought it because it didn't matter how good drums were going to sound because you could replace the drum sounds with technology. You could have the drummer play it, and the computer would translate it in, and I was so. Well, and, and what I would say is drums, you, can, you can't really fake good cymbals, but you can, you can get good heads, and you yeah. can make most drums sound pretty good. Yeah. Is my experience. Hey, do you have tape on your drum heads? It's pretty common to want to tape either with tape or a little muffle or something to get. I, yeah. I often put my wallet on my snare drum to really? get the best sound that I want. Yeah. And you leave a tip to the studio? Uh, <laughs> I can, yeah. <laughs> if it's a good enough session. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, you, you showed me something really cool that I had never heard on a hi-hat. I think we found a different, t- uh, uh, almost like a... Um, pitch that was coming through it yeah Yeah. and you is that normal well i i've heard it before but i was hearing it more distinctly here on the on the way i was playing the track i could hear this i think it was this sound yeah 
Yeah, I've never heard that on a hi hat before, and I thought that I thought I knew everything in the world. And like, obviously, I don't. But that's well, pretty cool. <laughs> I did know that it happened. You, you, if you put a, a cymbal on a on a kettle drum or a timpani, yeah, and you put the pe- and you push the pedal up and down on it, it you get the very down. similar sound to that. Yeah. Um, so, and I'd heard that before then, but I had heard it. I think because. Just because I was moving my foot with it closed for some yeah. reason, accidentally. Yeah. I think that's why it ended up coming out. So, and well, that was pretty cool that you picked that out. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't know if you're going to hear that on the recordings that we did, yeah. but. Yeah, it was, interesting. I, was, I thought that was something you knew about and you did all the time, but. No, no, not <laughs> really. <just> here. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> hey, what's that? Is that a cello I hear warming up? That is orchestra director Mr. Matthew Cotton. Yeah, now it's time for a bit of cotton candy from orchestra director Mr. Matthew Cotton. Yeah, Matt's a teacher at the middle school. He normally plays violin. But nice play on his last name there, Martin. You're getting better at that. We always try to get better. So yeah, we have a live cello player here and also the great Colleen McGing to handle the vocals. Awesome. We're going to try something here. So when I was in college in a jazz band, we used to play this really cool thing. We would suspend time and let just the lead instrument, like a sax, play the melody. I would have a synth play a drone or a drone on a piano and just follow adding subtle things. Sometimes I'd try to catch a chord change with the melody. I really love how that sounded. Probably the only reason we started doing it was trying to stretch songs out, but it was so much fun. Okay, so this song really means a lot to me. I really love it. My daughter and I wrote this for a film I was scoring. It was intended to be about graduating from high school, but it can be about graduating from anywhere. My my daughter is such a great writer, and I do miss having her around and working on her with projects like this with her. Well, what? Is she lost or something? I mean, what's the story here? I thought I heard you talking to her on the phone just the other day. Uh, no, she just went away to college, moved out to California like my son. We don't see them as much. They're both out there building big music careers. Again, you have such a tortured life. Your kids writing and singing on TV and films. Yeah, I know. So, hey, for those at home, if you like this song, you can purchase it at our website. At Jim Gaynor Music, you can find a link. There's also a children's choir version of this song that you can purchase at jwpepper.com. And um, all you school teachers know where that is and who J.W. Pepper is. I have a website in the my score section. So check it all out there. jwpepper.com and jimgainermusic.com. Oh, and the song is called The Rise of the Fall. All right, already enough of the gratuitous promotion. We're all set to go. Oh, wait. Hey, I forgot to get out my Horner Melodica. Gotta use it for this song. You gotta? Yep. Uh, oh, a little more reverb, please. Oh, there you go. Okay. There we are. All set. Yeah. So Mr. Cotton, Matt, I like to call him, is going to play the melody I scribbled out for him on manuscript, and I'm going to be the orchestra behind him. And Colleen McGee's going to sing for us. You don't mind stepping aside for a second, do you, Carrie? No, not really. This song needs different flavor, and Colleen is such a great singer. Matt, Mr. Cotton, you set to go? Of course I am. Okay, here we go.
hand claps on every song? Yeah, I think I might. It's better than listening to just a drummer all the time. Oh, 
Nice job, Colleen. <laughs> yeah, great job. For the viewers at home, we have Colleen McGing here to sing for us. Colleen, tell us about yeah, yourself. I'm Colleen McGing. Um, I'm a singer, and I'm in a band called Dubby Mac. Hey, so when did you start singing? I started singing when I was pretty young. Um, the first like tryout choir I did was when I was 10 in elementary school um which was pretty cool and then i just did singing in like church choirs multiple of them and then middle school and then all four years of high school too so did you ever study privately um well i did have a couple of private lessons but nothing like significant where i was with the same person so yeah. most of my singing comes from miss marinetti yeah i know her she's the local high school choir director I think she's great. Me too. She's yes, the best. Yeah. All right, all right. Enough of this jibber-jabber. Cleaning crew is here and ready to go. So off you'll go. Dang it. I was just having fun. So how do you think the Rolling Gold piano held up? I used it on just about everything. I think it did just fine. Yeah, before we go, we got to give a big shout-out to my kids for sending in the background vocals. The Rolling Gold piano, Sweetwater Sound, the world-famous Paul Leah, my Sweetwater rep. Sweetwater and Paul really have been a big help for me in my career. All right, that's all. Later, Gainer. See you next time, Carrie.